Good morning, good afternoon, or evening, based on wherever you're listening. Welcome to Objection, a spotlight on justice. This is Hetva, Paloma, Ruth, and Eitan here to speak on Court Watch, which is one of the best programs around for people interested in the social justice system to get involved. Hetva, do you want to kick it off and talk a little bit about what Court Watch is? Sure, Paloma, and thanks everyone for tuning in. Not a lot of people know what Court Watch is or really what purpose it serves because a lot of Americans really just don't follow what's happening in our courtrooms. I think the last time people cared really about what was happening in a courtroom was either in the OJ trial or the Chauvin trial. But Court Watch is a program that allows people to actually go into court virtually or in person and actually observe what's happening in court. They can sit through a lot of hearings and they can see actual witnesses coming into a trial um, and also just a lot of different elements of a trial happening. Afterwards, Court Watch volunteer would then write articles or posts for their community to see regarding anything important that happened inside the courtroom. Yeah, and a large local court watch group here in California called the Davis Vanguard Court Watch is one of the oldest court watch groups nationally, and it handles courtroom events in many countries across California, including the countries of San Francisco, the counties of San Francisco, Yolo, Sac Sacramento County, Fresno, and Alameda. Aton, what would an average day working at something like Court Watch look like? Well. A normal day working shift would sort of play like this. You go to you go to the courtroom, you've been assigned, and it can be online on a YouTube stream or an actual courtroom in person. You also would find some way to transcribe or record the trial and take notes throughout about anything that may be interesting or notable. Then sit through roughly four hours of different cases and sort of just enjoy the experience. Afterwards, you'll see if you have any content that's article, you can write about it anywhere from 500 words to more than a thousand. Right, and usually shifts happen in pairs or groups of three. So you also have the option to write an article with other people and collaborate. So personally, when I found out about Court Watch, my first question was, what is the end goal here? Why is it so important to report on the courtroom? Well, I think the simplest answer is court watch is important because it lays eyes on the courts. The articles that Hetma mentioned, that the volunteers write, they are a crucial aspect of keeping the courts transparent. Yeah, and that's very, very important because court watch are the least transparent branch of government, which allows a lot of injustice to happen to be unseen. And when volunteers watch cases, they take note of any potential biases or rights violations, which helps identify any patterns or policies that are causing harm. Court Watch has made a significant impact in the courtroom as volunteers advocate for justice in a person's case and push further to create a more equitable courtroom for all. Court Watch lays eyes on judges and attorneys in order to ensure that they are honest and serve their community with dignity. Exactly, Ruth. It sheds light on the sort of everyday injustice that doesn't really make the news, but that people still need to know about if we want to see our justice system be more equitable as a whole, because a lot of the times people just focus on the really big standout cases. But what a lot of people don't realize is that it's the little cases and the little injustices that are allowing those big things to happen. Something that really stands out in Court Watch is that it helps the community as a whole, but it also helps every individual volunteer that's a part of it. 
in my experience, a court watch volunteer actually gets a lot of really valuable experience in terms of legal experience, because even just sitting through trials and watching how attorneys interact, how courtroom staff interact, it really shows what it takes to hold a career in the legal field. It's also a really cool opportunity to see what lawyers do. Someone like me who wants to be a lawyer, it's really valuable to learn more about it in a hands-on format. Absolutely. And it's also valuable for aspiring journalists. All, all articles are written as close to a journalistic format as possible. And if you want to be a journalist or writer, reporting on actual community affairs and legal events is a great place to start. If you're interested in social media marketing and outreach, there's a place for that in court too. Most court watch groups need people to spread the word about court occurrences via social media because that's where a lot of people get their needs. Also, the volunteering aspect of it can be extremely rewarding. Certain websites, as the Vanguard website, get 150,000 to 200,000 viewers every month. Lots of people come to Courtwatch websites to be educated about what's happening in courtrooms and to stay updated about crime and justice. It's really satisfying to be able to spread awareness and knowledge to people of the community and bring the average citizen closer to the workings of the justice system. So shifting away from the benefits of court watch, what are the what are some of the responsibilities of a court watch volunteer if you're considering to joining? I can kick that off. The roles and roles in court watch really vary based on what organization you're volunteering with and what part of the country you live in. But the basic rule of thumb in court is to not speak to the defendant or judge. Essentially, do not speak to anyone in front of the rail or beside you or around you unless you are spoken to by an officer of the court or attorney, and you must be respectful and do not raise your voice to anyone. But while keeping this in mind, do not speak to the, the defendant or plaintiff, even if they speak to you. That's right. It's definitely a court watch volunteer's job to be a very silent observer and then go out and then use their voice in the community, but not within the court. A court watch volunteer is also responsible for behaving properly in court, which means not bringing in food or disrupting the trial in any way, shape, or form. You don't want to be held in contempt of a court, obviously, and we want to really emphasize that you have to show respect to every member of the courtroom staff. For example, you have to refer to the judge as your honor and respond to other staff by saying yes ma'am or yes sir on the really low and off chance that you have to speak. You also need to turn off cell phones as well as courtrooms are extremely quiet. Phones must be off, they can be heard vibrating, and it's very disrupting. This sort of goes without saying, but you also want to make sure you do not bring any illegal items into a courtroom. Follow the signs posted in a courtroom. A huge piece of advice is do not be afraid to ask for help seeking directions because the courtrooms can be a daunting place at first. I would recommend asking security directions because courthouses are bustling with people running it all over the place. There are a lot of reasons to provide rules the courtroom as well. For sure. And I know HETBA has been a pretty active member of Court Watch here in California. And the rest of us have done a lot of research as to some cases that we really enjoyed through Court Watch articles. HETBA, would you like to start off with your experience? Definitely. Um, so far, I've done several shifts and I've gotten to see some really cool cases, all the way from things like arson to firearm possession. And one of the most meaningful articles that I've written is about a woman who suffered a lot of trauma at the hands of her ex-husband. She actually had her attorney read a really emotional statement about all her years of marriage to this man and how much pain she really had to live with. 
as well as with the financial costs that she had to incur throughout the whole process. For example, she had to buy a whole home security system. She had to buy four pit bulls to serve as guard dogs. And she also had to buy security lights and other things like that. She was also prescribed Zoloft to manage her depression and her panic attacks because of her experience with this man. And she also talked about her struggle to really sleep soundly and also hold down food because she was always afraid constantly. It was really interesting because she talked about how her ex-husband is not capable of rehabilitation. She talked about how he violated the restraining order against him on five separate occasions. So noting all of this, the judge actually decided not to give him probation at all. But besides this, unfortunately, her statement didn't really change the court's ruling in any significant way, just because there'd, all, there'd already been a plea deal that was signed, so not much could be changed. But the victim did get a 10-year restraining order. This whole case was really a reminder for me that real truths can come forward in the courtroom. It can be a place of healing and also of true justice. Another article that meant a lot to me for sure was one about healthcare in the San Luis Obispo County Jail and how a lot of patients have been discriminated against because of their disabilities or they even died because the jail didn't give them the healthcare they needed at the right time. One story that was super disturbing to me personally was about this one time when the court ordered the jail to administer this really specific type of medicine to a man with an illness, I believe schizophrenia, but instead of doing that, the jail placed him in an isolation cell, which is just a room where you're alone for 10 days and then in chair restraint for 46 hours. And as a result of all that and not being given his medicine, he actually passed away. So stories like this need to come out. It's really important for us to hold not only our courts accountable, but the rest of our justice system as a whole. And it's really awesome to see that one day your article might be up and published on the Vanguard website, but the next day, lots of other websites are putting it onto their own news and they're reposting your article. So seeing your message get out to a lot of more people is really valuable. CourtWatch has also allowed me to meet so many cool people like law students and lawyers. And because I've been involved for a while, I get to be a part of a lot of different types of projects too. But Paloma, I know you've been to court a few times. So would you like to talk about your experience? Yes, I would love to. So I have gone to court to watch court on my own. I am not with any court watch organizations and I've done a few shadows so far and all of which have been absolutely phenomenal. I have done three on my own and one with work and I am planning to go back more after COVID-19 ends, but my experience has been truly amazing. My shadows have been in various areas of law and in different courthouses, but each and every one of my experiences was amazing. I learned a variety of different things every time I've gone and I've been able to ask questions to the person I've been shadowing and I'm the kind of person who We'll start off shy and then we'll ask like 10 to 20 questions once they get comfortable. So that's basically what happened a lot of the time. When I got more comfortable, I started to come more prepared, but I'm still slowly getting more comfortable. So I still kind of face the, I'm going to ask no questions, but then halfway through the trials or the hearings, then I come up with a multitude of questions. But my experience goes beyond to what I see in the courtroom and what I learn. And it goes to the amount of respect that I'm treated with in the courtroom and that we as teens learning about the criminal justice system are treated with in the courtroom. And because we are teens, usually we're like used to being treated as teens, if that makes any sense. So when you go into these courtrooms, 
to watch court proceedings, you are treated as law students or normal people. And that always allows me to gain a newfound respect for people in, who work in the legal system because I am a legal intern and I know the ropes to a certain extent. And I respect those who do not underestimate my colleagues or myself when we go to court together. And they know the level we are on and this standard that they hold us to really uplifts my courtroom experience. And circling back to what I learned about in court, every time I go to court, I learn something new and I always have a new question, even if I start off shy. But the first time I went to court, I had no questions. I was silent the entire time. I was in shock and I, felt that this was the most surreal thing I've ever done in my life. But then I fast forward to a year later and there was a panel during COVID. So I was tuned in on Zoom and I'm a legal professional who I later got into contact with because I had five minutes to ask four legal professionals the 10 questions I had. So I sent an email and I asked questions till my heart was empty and it was so many questions and then I got asked if I wanted to shadow so I shrieked and screamed like a little girl and I said yes so it was set up and I went and it was amazing I had the time of my life and then I was put in contact with another legal professional and spoke with them and then I was asked if I wanted to shadow and I said yes and then I screamed and shrieked like a little girl again and I sent my yes email away and I was still so happy and I went and I was thrilled the entire time. It was amazing. And this kind of court I hadn't really been in before or was really know anything about. I didn't know anything about this kind of court. So I was so excited to go. And then even when, when I found out that I was gonna go through work with my colleagues, I screamed my heart out. I was so excited and I was so happy. And I still do get so happy every time I get to go watch court because every time I go, I garner a new respect for the people I shadow and the legal professionals around them because I see all the hard work they put in. And it's extremely amiable how much empathy and compassion they all have. So I'm impressed every single time. And I just love going to learn so much every time because you truly learn every time you go to court watch no matter how long you've been in the legal profession and I know this especially with public defenders you learn something all the time and no two days are the same and that is something that I absolutely love learning more about but yeah that is a synopsis on my trial experience That is a really great story Paloma I will keep that in mind it really inspired me and I bet it will inspire a lot of other people watching this podcast but that also reminds me I read an article about the lack of black jurors in the system the, the case took place here in the city of San Francisco where a man named Dwayne West was charged for sexual assault back in 2014 and ever since that year he's been waiting for his day in court he waited for about seven years however his chance to be seen by a quote jury of his peers is hampered by the glaring racial disparity Judge Hathaway, who acknowledged her privilege, started questioning the question started her questioning of the probable jurors almost immediately. They claimed to have a white tannish jury, she observed, but not a single African American juror. Race, she quoted, was the big old elephant in the room. Afterwards, she examined the potential jurors to reveal their implicit bias and unconscious assumptions around race by a visual game. In this exercise, she asked the possible jurors who were walking down the street at, at, to visualize 
two African-American men approaching them while walking down the street. She told them to jot down what assumptions and thoughts they had during this. Some jurors, to some jurors, their race did not matter to them. As one of the white jurors explained, I've spent my whole life trying to be colorblind. I don't really care. One of the jurors who was raised in China claimed that she found them approaching her was quote, a little scary. And even though she had no bad experiences in her life that started this way of thinking, this was a perception she had growing up that she unconsciously, unconsciously uncovered over time. A large number of jurors claimed that they had some racial biases and behaviors that they were unaware of. Hathaway acknowledged her own and advised jurors to be aware of theirs as well. Stereotypes and presumptions about those who are a different race lead to many different consequences, especially in court where it's a trial of people's lives and what they have at stake. West was in dismay about this and said, quote, it saddens me, the lack of African-Americans. And Paloma, I know you recently read an article about the interesting case in the Davis Vanguard. What was it about? Yes, thank you, Ruth. So the article I recently read about talked about a judge who suddenly declared a mistrial in the middle of a DUI or driving under the influence trial. It was really fascinating and it happened on July 20th in Yolo County. So earlier this year, a minor was arrested for driving under the influence. The minor, otherwise known as the defendant in this case, crashed into a parked car. The officer determined that the defendant was under the influence and was unable to drive safely. The defendant told the officers he took some pills from Mexico to ease his cough and compared them to DayQuil. He then said, quote, the pills will pass you out. The defendant was arrested based on his slurred speech, and now at his trial, the prosecutor called an expert witness who prepared the toxicology report to testify. When the prosecutor asked what the result of the defendant's blood result, what the defendant's blood was, the prosecutor asked, um, the prosecutor asked and the public defender objected, invoking evidence code 352, which states essentially that the court can exclude evidence if its value is outweighed by the prejudice it could create in the eyes of the jury. The public defender said that the toxicology report could create a substantial undue prejudice for her client. Her objection was overruled. The public defender asked the judge if she could approach the bench. And this is where it gets a little strange. There was a superheated discussion that lasted several minutes. And then the judge suddenly declared a mistrial based on the testimony of the expert witness and said that the evidence in the last answer was not proper to be put before the jury. There was no further explanation and the judge set a new trial date. That is super interesting. And I'd really love to know more about the logic behind the really sudden switch that the judge made there. But because you mentioned sort of the role of the police in all of this, another case I wrote actually last week was about policing and how about more really intense policing for minor crimes can actually increase crime in general by kind of increasing tensions in general. And I think this wasn't something I had to go into court to write about, but it actually shows that being a part of Court Watch can get you a lot of different projects and you can actually report on the justice system as a whole. So this article that I wrote described this experiment where the police actually decided to stop responding heavily to really minor crimes. So they stopped doing extensive raids and patrolling and they kind of just monitored the situation from afar and they stepped in when they really needed to. Reports of crime in the, I think, seven weeks when they did this actually went down three to 6%, which is doesn't seem like a lot, but it is pretty significant considering there's thousands of reports of crime in the city. So there's sorts of a really vicious 
feedback loop when police go in because it inflames tensions between demographics and also within demographics and more crime is sparked. Then when the police respond really heavily to this crime and really intensely, it sparks even more anger and tension, which leads to more crime. So being able to report on this experiment showed me that not only do we need to hold our courts accountable, but we also need to make sure that we are solving the problems with the justice system at all levels. And we need to see that when the police respond moderately to moderate level crimes, we actually see overall crime go down compared to if they respond full force to small crimes. Also, the Vanguard Court Watch reports on a lot of other things related to the justice system as well. For instance, I recently heard about a case where the defendant wanted an earlier trial date because they didn't want to stay in jail for any longer because they were so scared and terrified of COVID in these jails because the quality of life is really bad. They're not very good at social dis distancing and wearing masks. So the Court Watch advocates for better COVID safety and transparency in court and in jails. All of this means we're really trying to shed light on the justice system as a whole, and we're making sure justice is absolutely served, but is also served with humanity. That's a great story, Hetva. This will shed a light on all the injustices within the system. And similar to Paloma's story, there is another recent court watch story, which, involved, which was very unusual considering the defendant's circumstances. This case involved the defendant, Jose Beltran Gomez, who claims that he was he was he missed his day in court back in 2018 due to him getting kidnapped in El Salvador. Gomez was arrested due to him being caught stealing multiple items at a Macy's department store. Due to this, there was a warrant sent out for his arrest. As soon as he returned from El Salvador, he was arrested on the spot with a warrant that was recently sent out for his arrest. Deputy Public Defender Nikita Sani what argued for the defendant's release on his own recognition for the judge to find a non-monetary alternative to his incarceration, citing the client's very unusual circumstances while out of custody. Following his original arrest, the defendant traveled to El Salvador in hopes to see his family and, quote, hoping to be there for a short period of time, according to Sani. In El Salvador, the defendant was kidnapped and held captive captive for a year and two months. The defendant was on, only able to be released thanks to the assistance of the U.S. Embassy, according to Sani. This, despite these conditions, Judge Darwin was unforgiving, claiming that the kidnapping was only accounted for one of the three years he was missing, unless he can false bail, he quoted, and explained he will be detained. The public defender emphasized before Judge Darwin that Gomez has the right to stay in El Salvador for a time being since he was since it was before his arrest and court date and he just wanted to see his family before he went. She also stated that the defendant was charged with a very minor offense, although the public defender gave many reasons to prevent the three year imprisonment of Jose Beltran Gomez. He was in jail for three years with a bail of 50,000. Thank you so much, Ruth, for sharing the stories you read off of the Davis Vanguard. And not only did it these are just stories, these are the real lives of people that have been affected. And it's really disheartening to hear some of these awful conditions that the people have to live in. All of these issues aren't really talked about, such as the racial disparities that Ruth mentioned. And I'm really glad that you got to learn more about it through Court Watch. 
Hetva, I have heard you briefly mention the articles you have written, so I am so glad we got to hear you talk about an article of yours. You are an amazing writer, and I really hope that we do get to hear more of your articles and more about your writing in the future. If any of our listeners are interested in joining the Vanguard Court Watch, which operates in lots of counties throughout California, please visit sfpublicdefender.org slash careers to be connected to that information or email info at davisvanguard.org. Thank you so much, Paloma, for that information. For other CourtWatch programs, for example, if you're in another state or in another city, please search up CourtWatch in and then add on your state or city into the search bar. Each region may have multiple CourtWatch programs because a lot of programs run in certain counties or there's overlapping programs. So any information that you might need to join should be easily accessible online. Alternatively, you could actually reach out to your local court and ask them if they have given permission to any sort of court watch group to come in and report on courtroom affairs. A lot of court watch programs run on Twitter, Instagram, and other forms of social media. For example, the New York Court Watch does this. So visiting the Twitter court watch pages can actually help you find one in your area. Well, we hope you'll consider being the eyes and the voice of justice in your community and exploring a court watch program. Thanks for tuning in. And on the topic of justice for many communities, we now know that the justice system isn't perfect. As many times you might, you might've heard of a court case and thought, how did he get away with this? Or how did they get away with this? There was so much evidence pointing towards them. Well, this could be because of the flaws in the justice system, especially with different privileges that different races, specifically white people, have. And especially during the time in June of last year, there were many court cases, especially during the George Floyd case, where his officers took, it, was, it took so long for his officers to be arrested, which really frustrates me, especially when there is literal video evidence and literally an autopsy report on how he even died in the first place. And it was obviously the officer's fault as shown in the video and no one did anything about it. And the court took so long just to arrest the officers who were in fault of this. Yeah, Ruth, I totally understand that. And I'm really glad you brought that up because it's it's another part of Court Watch which is really looking at how the justice system treats people of different races, different genders, different backgrounds. Um, it's not just about you know the things that we see in court. It's also about what at its fundamental core how the courtroom sees different people. And I think what you talked about is really valuable because we really need to be mindful of the fact that different people are treated very differently by the justice system as a whole. And I think CourtWatch can really shed a light on things like that because we really go in, we see what happens in the courtroom, we see these microaggressions or even really, really um, aggressions that are really out there and visible. And we report on them to make sure that people know that these things are not okay. And people know that if they want to protest against these things, they have the resources and the backing that they need to with CourtWatch. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Ruth. Um, Paloma, do you have anything to add? Honestly, no, I think that you and Ruth summarized this perfectly and I really love how you covered it. And I do really think how, I, it makes me think about how our justice system is perfect. And it also made me think to how it's often referred to as the injustice system. So the entire time that you and Ruth were talking, I couldn't help but think about 
how it's called the injustice system. So I think about the juvenile injustice system or the criminal injustice system. That's what really made me think in my mind. And it truly calls for a reflection about uh, the legal system in the United States. And it calls for so much reflection. That's all I can really think about right now. Absolutely. And thank you both of you guys for sharing your experiences. Thank you guys, all our watchers for tuning in. We really hope that after this episode, you'll consider being the eyes and voice of justice in your community and hopefully exploring a court watch program locally. Thanks everyone for watching Objection, a spotlight on justice and stay tuned for our next episode.